Did you know Rob Farrell's Leading Saints podcast interview has over 100,000 downloads? Yeah, it seemed everyone loved it. After that interview, we actually invited Rob Farrell to a Leading Saints live event and told him he could take as much time as he wanted. Well, he ended up teaching for four plus hours and don't worry, we recorded it. It's all part of the Leading Saints Core Leader Library and we want you to watch it at no cost. Simply go to leadingsaints.org 14 and you can gain access to not only Rob Farrell's four-hour presentation, but also to 100-plus hours of all other leadership-related content that we have in the Core Leader Library. You're going to love it. So simply visit leadingsaints.org 14 and get started. Hey, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Now, for many of you that are brand new uh, to Leading Saints, it's important that you know that Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation. We get so much positive feedback on the podcast, our virtual conferences, the articles on our website. You definitely got to check it out at leadingsaints.org. And on their homepage at leadingsaints.org, you can actually find the top six most downloaded episodes to the podcast. So if you're new, like the content, want to jump in to some of our most popular episodes, head there after you listen to this episode. All right. In this interview, I talk with Murray Maceros, who's a good friend of mine up in Ogden, Utah. Uh, Murray, how do you feel like our interview went? Oh, it's been great, Kurt. Number one, I thank you for doing what you're doing. This is a great service you're providing to people, and I'm glad that I can add my little itty-bitty help in this whole process. Yeah, so listening to this episode, this will be one you may want to listen to a couple of times. Murray goes over five questions that you can answer that do a remarkable job of introducing people to the gospel, to the missionaries, and uh, it's a system. And I love systems. I love approaching even things in the gospel in a systemic or systematic way. And it's easy. It's super easy. Yeah, and it's easy. So listen to that. And this is one that uh, you'll want to share with a word council and the word clerk and the word mission leader. And this is a great tactic to launch people into the love, share, and invite model that we've uh, been asked to do. So any other uh, teaser you want to give the audience, Murray? Oh, just give it a try. You've, no, you, okay. you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain by trying it. Just give it a try. Go All for right. It. So let's jump in. Here's my interview with Murray Maceros. Murray Maceros, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. We've been in the the works to record this for, seems like a few months now, and it's finally happening. I've been looking forward to it just from what you've already explained to me about your approach to some uh, some missionary work and whatnot. And uh, so I'm excited to jump in. How would you, because now you're in, uh, is Ogden? Where, where? Yes. Yeah. Ogden, I live in, Utah, right? Don't live in the heart of Ogden. I live in the lungs of Ogden. Oh. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, you've been there quite a while. I, is it your wife's parents' house? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we came down. I actually own a business in Canada. I'm Canadian by birth, Hungarian by ancestry. And uh, we came down a vacation of summer of 89 and never made it back because we found out her, my wife's parents weren't doing so well. So we moved in and we thought we'd stay here three to five years. Turned out to be 12 and then turned into 15. And uh, wife's parents are deceased at 12 years into that stay. And so now we decided to stay put and here we are. Yeah. And you've had opportunity to serve in a variety of, of leadership callings in the church. And most recently, let's see, are you currently in a missionary role or? I was just called as ward mission leader for the 
umpteenth time in my life. And I'm also the membership clerk, which is an interesting blend. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking, because that interesting yeah, blend has that. created opportunities that I think I might have, I'm pretty sure I would have missed had I not had that combination of opportunities. Yeah. Now, these uh, tactics and efforts as far as sharing the gospel will probably be applicable to any location you are in the world. But in Absolutely. Utah, it does, there is sort of a different dynamic that, you know, when I go into my local 7 Eleven or, uh, you know, going to a restaurant, it's very typical that the waiter or the clerk is at least has a Latter-day Saint background. And so it's it's a different dynamic to share the gospel in some of those those colder settings. And then even with with neighbors, you know, a lot of my neighbors show up to church with me on Sunday. I'm excited to, to jump into this tactic and we're going to show some visuals. So if people are listening to audio only, uh, we will make sure that we link to this video and uh, the visuals are easy to access. So Take us to back to the beginning, Murray. Like, where did this approach start for you? Well, I'm a convert to the church. I joined when I was 21, having gone to a host of other Christian churches and studied world religions, and I became a full-bore agnostic. And once I joined the church, being an agnostic is not a very fun place to be. I mean, for me, there was a hole that was not filled. I didn't have enough proof there was a God, wasn't a God, and so it kind of was that hole. And once the gospel the restored gospel. And I think we need to always emphasize that this is the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, because lots of people believe they have the gospel, but we have the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Once that entered my life, it filled that hole. And I never wanted to ever be in a situation where I could, well, no, I wouldn't want to change that. I always wanted to be in a situation where I could effectively and efficiently share the gospel message with other individuals. My challenge was, though, is that even on my mission to a certain degree, because I did go on a mission a year after I joined, I found that our approach oftentimes was one of sharing messages and sharing this and sharing that, but we never really absolutely ascertained where the individual's needs were, what their questions were. And so if I came to your door and so told you, Kurt, that I'm going to sell you blue socks, blue socks, blue socks, blue socks, and a green shirt, you're likely not going to buy that because you probably already have blue socks and a green shirt. Yeah. However, if I came to you and said, Kurt, what, what item are you missing out of your wardrobe? And I probably have it out there in the car. You would say, hmm, I might talk to this guy. So that's kind of how it came about is that I found that our approach, in my opinion, our approach of, of trying to share the gospel, trying to invite people to us was not as effective as asking what their questions were and then showing how the restored gospel was an added value in their life. And since I've been using this approach, I mean, literally, if I had nothing to do, if I had no missionary work going on right now, inside of a month, I would have too much missionary work going on in my life. Yeah. And actually, the missionary work, I don't even like those words. Missionary work, to me, has a bit of a negative tone to it. I prefer to call it a missionary adventure and missionary fun in um, sharing the gospel with individuals. Yeah. So, and this begins with uh, some five key characteristic or characteristics. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that a good jumping off point to understand? That is. I would like to also share, uh, mention to people that I would like you to, if you haven't already had a chance to, please read Clayton Christensen's The Power of the Everyday Missionary. There is a wealth of information in there that if we don't read it, understand it, and apply the principles that apply to our own area, we're missing some jewels. So the five characteristics, for this all to work well, the key characteristics are to have a Christ-like attitude, approach everybody as the Savior would approach them. So you would have, as an example, I'm just going to go to my references, uh, if I can get my cursor to work, there it goes, I want to remember them correctly, is to have a Christ-like attitude in all of our connections. So 
we've been told to love, share, and invite. But I guess the question I want to ask you is, how long does it take to go from love to invite? Does it, does it take forever? And does it have to take forever? Five minutes, five hours, five weeks, five loaves of bread? I mean, where does that continuum finally end? When we approach individuals as a savior would, it's instantaneously loving those individuals. It's instantaneous. It doesn't have to linger on forever. And so that's one way. Uh, that's the first element. If we wait for inspiration, where we've been often told, if you feel inspired, talk to somebody. We need to be creative. We have to create opportunities. Think of Nephi. Did he wait for Laban to send out the plates with via courier to him? No, he had to go in and figure it out and figure it out and be creative. And when he finally had done all of his part, Heavenly Father set up the opportunity for him to acquire the plates. So in a similar way, and this is also what the Power of the Everyday Missionary talks about, is that we have to create opportunities to make these uh, missionary opportunities occur. And typically when we, when we think about creating opportunities, it's like, oh, that means I have to like pick up my Book of Mormon, walk across the street and have an no, awkward conversation, right? But that's not, not what you mean. Never. I have never, well, I can't say I haven't, but probably have, <laughs> but I can guarantee you it wasn't been, wasn't been or hasn't been very successful. When I talk about creative, I mean, I'll give an example. Just yesterday, I uh, was buying some equipment at a sporting goods store. And I was the only one to check out with the checkout person. And, but I was in a hurry because my wife and I were celebrating the last part of our wedding anniversary. And we're 43 years married. Yahoo. Yeah, it is awesome. It is the best. And the checkout woman was, like I said, there by herself. And while she was checking, checking me out, I says, Hey, do you mind if I ask you a couple of quick questions? She says, sure. I says, if you could ask God a question right now, what would you ask him? And she thought, she says, that's a profound question. I, I'd have to think on it for a while. Anyways, to long, make a long story short, I was there for about three minutes. We swapped telephone numbers, and we're going to be connecting with each other in the near future to begin the, to go on to the next step of that conversation. I was there for three minutes, and I have a missionary contact. Three minutes. Yeah. Wow. That fast. Yeah, that, that's what I, I want to learn how to do. So It's easy. It's super, that, yeah. That's the thing about this. It is so easy. Anyone can do this. It is. I mean, when I say anyone, any age, if you can talk, you can do these questions. Cool. Any age. Anywhere in the world, any circumstance, any location. And I've done it in everywhere from a bathroom lineup to checkouts to one of my favorite areas is the fitness center. I have in the last six weeks, I now have, I'm teaching two individuals in our home. Four individuals have, have said, no, not yet. And the rest have said, let's visit some more. And then we'll, we'll chat some more about my questions in the future. So, you know, I mean, two out of 10, that's not a bad percentage of individuals that, that are being taught. Right. So the next thing is be curious. Be curious about individuals. What makes them tick? What do they have in their home? What do they have in their circumstance? What's the situation that they're in that might be of interest to you that you can connect to them about that? The next area is complimentary. People always love to hear some compliment about themselves. I mean, people don't like negativism, but they sure appreciate compliment. So example, the fitness center, I started a conversation with a couple of individuals by saying, gee, you're one of the happiest guys I've ever seen. Why are you so happy? Then he's explained to me, and we just start visiting back and forth. The relationship starts to develop in three to five minutes. Then I pose my questions. And from there, we go into you know whatever makes sense to that individual, either further teaching or further not, or not teaching. And then to the fifth characteristic is to continually follow up and follow up quickly. What I mean by that is that too often opportunities are there, but we don't take advantage of the, or the requirement of following up. And Elder Bednar talks about that in one of his talks. In fact, it's uh, April of 2014 called Following Up. He's a very strong proponent of making sure that when we connect with individuals, we also follow up. So those yeah. are the five characteristics, Christ-like in our attitude, 
creative, curious, complimentary, and continually follow up. Nice. So the, we should, I, we'll have all this in the show notes, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the, the creative one, what was the, how did you work that in there? Be creative? Everything. I mean, it all, it all hinges on creativity. Again, if you don't create opportunities, most opportunities will never occur. Oh, gotcha. So I mean, you can't I, wait for the no, perfect you, stars you to align. You have to be proactive. And, yeah. You have to yeah. be proactive. I mean, Jesus told the, the disciples to feed his sheep. They didn't say, wait around till they, the sheep came to you. You got to go find the sheep and feed the sheep. Yeah. The only time that I can think of where God has connected us together, when I was bishop, I taught our board members to pray for spiritual collisions. You know, you're looking for somebody and somebody may or may not be looking for you. I was driving down Highway 89, which is, for those of you who are not in Utah, that's a, a, a mountain road, and it was a, in a blizzard. And a guy comes up behind me. Let's see if I get my pictures right. He hits me twice, rear-ends me twice on the road. Oh, wow. You would expect some damage, right? Yeah. Twice. So we get over, we pull over, and we look at the vehicles. I don't have a scratch on my car. He doesn't have a scratch on his car. And I says, it's obvious that God wants us to talk. And the guy says, yeah, start teaching him the next day. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only I time I hope that on anybody but okay no but seriously that's the only time I've ever had where something was plopped in my lap and says here Murray here's a gift yeah, take yeah. it and run with it yeah so the point being is that that may happen once a lifetime I hope that yeah. you don't constantly get in car accidents just to talk with people right that's <laughs> <laughs> some bad luck no. but but yeah that's no. a great point that yeah we will have I think a lot of people have these stories of man this you know, it just all came together and I was just meant to talk with this person. And then yeah. we wait around all of our life to do that. But we have to be creative. But also, I like how you're framing this because it's not, again, it's not awkward. It's not forced. Nope. It's just it's simple, normal, natural, natural conversations. Right? It's normal, natural situations. Yeah. I mean, some people fear this. I mean, I there's some people in our ward. I mean, these, there's some big bruises in our ward. Who, this scares them. Yeah. But the five questions, I'll tell you, the five questions takes care of the fear and takes care of where to start, and it takes care of how to transition. And we'll jump into that here in a couple of minutes. But yeah. one other story I wanted, a couple of other stories. I mean, I got tons of stories. I could, we could talk stories about sharing the gospel or asking the questions. We could do this all day long. But a guy came to my door and was soliciting me. It was a, it was a salesman soliciting me. So we were, he did his spiel. And when he was done, I reverse solicited. I said, so do you mind if I ask you a couple of cool questions? And I went through my five questions. Three days later, we started teaching him in our house. Nice. Did did you buy what he was selling? <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, that was he. He didn't. Uh, that was after. Okay. No, actually, I bought the stuff, and then it was after that that we started discussions in our home with the missionaries and this fellow before uh, I had actually purchased anything. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there was any anything any quid pro quo or anything like that going on where he was hoping I would buy his services if I you know if he sat sat in my home because I could tell by the way the spirit touched his heart and I mean Kurt really touched his heart that this was a sincere situation for him. Yeah. So should we jump into the five questions and break yeah, those down? Let's, let's do those. I'm going to jump onto my screen for that. I've got them memorized, but anyways. So the first question is, the first question you always want to pursue is asking permission to share anything with anybody. I mean, if I told you, Kurt, now that, and this is also true with almost anything in life, even with our children and our spouses. And I like to use the subjunctive form, which means, would you be willing would you be, rather than saying, I need you to do this, I would say, would you be willing? What's the difference in tone on that, Kurt? Uh, I mean, this, it's, or would you be willing to do this? What's the difference in tone? It's much more kind, it seems, to say, would, right? you, would you be willing, right? Rather, like I'm giving you own the autonomy in what I am asking you. I'm not forcing anything on you. You can say no and we're done, right? And I'm respecting your agency. Yeah. 
next yeah. to life itself, agency is the greatest gift that God's given us. So by asking the first question is always a permission question. So the first question is, and this is, you know, this question pops up, whether it's in two minutes into the conversation with an individual, 20 minutes into a conversation, it doesn't matter when in the natural evolution of the conversation it happens, but it must happen. And that is, would you mind if I ask you some questions? In fact, sometimes, depending on the nature of the conversation, I'll even blow it up even a wee bit bigger and say, would you mind if I asked you some off-the-wall questions? So they know I'm going to take a real spin to the left or a spin to the right. And I mean, as an example, I was ta- visiting with a guy in a store. He was in a big rush to buy some stuff. And I, we were visiting with him. And I says, hey, would you mind if I asked you some real off-the-wall questions? He says, sure. I says, if you could ask God a question right now, what would you ask him? And he says, whoa, that's a profound question. I don't know how many times I've heard that. That's a profound question. So yeah, if you could yeah. ask, this is a, so the first question is the permission question. Second yeah. question is, if you could ask God a question right now, what would you ask him? Then they come up with a question and they'll often pause. I've, I've stood on a doorstep with a guy. We sat there, I sat there silent or stood there silently for about a minute while he thought of his question because he dug deep. He dug really deep. And most people do. They don't come up with a dumb question like, you know, what color should I, you know, wear for tomorrow's, you know, whatever. It's typically a deep question. And so yeah. the next question is, I says, if you could know the answer to your question, would you want to know? And I say, notice my verb is no, not just guess, not just wonder. But if you could know the answer to your question, do you, would you want to know? And most people say yes to that. Then I say, most things come with a high price. So would you be willing to pay the price to know your question? So for example, when you're reading, if you want to learn a particular subject, you need to read up on it a little bit or whatever the case may be. And so that's the next question. So again, that is to, if, would you be willing to pay the price to know the answer to your question? And the interesting thing about that, Kurt, is I had a dream last night about potentially eliminating that question. Uh-oh, right before so, our interview. <laughs> yeah, right before the interview, yeah. So I'm thinking, though, that when we already asked them if they would want to know the answer to their question, that's sufficient motivation to go to the fifth question. And that is, since you have this question, you want to know the answer to your question, could we step in right now if you're on a doorstep? Could we step in right now and answer your question? If they say no, then we could say, would tomorrow, six o'clock or seven o'clock the next day work for you? So you're trying to pick a very specific time when that next meeting is going to occur. So I'm going to review the questions then. So would that be okay? Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Drill them into oh. our heads. Okay. <laughs> reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. Morona, I came, what, four times to Joseph Smith to tell him the same That's story. Right. So here we go. This, I'm not Morona, so don't, don't pretend there. Though I do have his first, initial, first name, a first initial in his name. That's right. So would you mind if I ask you some off-the-wall questions? Pardon me, if you could ask God a question right now, what would you ask him? If you could know the answer to your question, would you want to know? Would you be willing to pay the price to know the answer to your question? If yes, would you mind if some some friends and I were to come in right now or tomorrow or the next day to come and answer your question? That's the five questions. There it is. Just that simple. And from my experience, the last time I went out in our ward and did this, we went to 15 doors one night and three of the individuals says, yes, come back. That's abnormally high. I promise you, it's not normally that swell. But the other, okay, so that's three out of 15. The other 12 were very robust, deep, authentic, spirit-driven conversations. Hmm. And always end with says, okay, since you don't want the answer to your question right now, our ward is right over there, or our branch, if you're not in in, in an area where you don't have uh, stakes and you have districts instead, our branch is right over there. And the, the, our church is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we have the answer for your question when you want, to, want the answer. And I've never, ever had anyone say, you know, forget it. I, this is not what we want. Hmm. I've had one person say, one person out of maybe about 100, 
say they didn't have a question or have a, you know, they didn't have a question to ask God. This is solved. Hmm. I thought to myself, how am I going to get this one solved in a way? Cause I'm going to still talk to you. And this is rattling around my head. So I came up with another question on the spot. And that was, you know, is the world getting better or worse? And obviously said the world situation is getting worse. I says, then how would you like to be a part of a body of individuals who watch out for each other, where we can help you have peace and confidence and assurance going forward in more troubling times? Would that be of interest to you? Yes, that would be. Hmm. So that question worked in a roundabout way for that yeah. particular situation. Nice. So what about, I mean, obviously they don't answer to your liking every time you go through these five questions. So where, what does it look like when it backfires or, or just doesn't it's work out? It's never backfired. It's never, never, it, never. And honestly, in 200, I bet you I've used the questions 200, 300, 400 times. I, I started these questions in 2011. That's when I started using them in 2011. Okay. I've never, ever had a backfire. Well, let me just ask you the question. What do you mean by backfire? Describe to me what you mean by well, backfire. I mean, so, you know, obviously, I think anybody is going to respond positively to the first one, right? Do you mind if I yeah. ask you a few questions? And then if you could ask God a question right now, what would it be? Maybe they'll they think, I don't know. I don't know. What if they just say, I don't know? Well, if <laughs> okay, let's see me think. I've got to see if I had anyone ask me that or say, I don't know. Because, I mean, some no. of these people, they're maybe they're not looking to all of a sudden go deep, right? Well, you know, I guess, let me tell you, the the one situation where I think it might have been connected to that was uh, I've had several individuals say to me, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. So that would be be kind of, as you're saying, kind of blocked in the face. Well, there's an easy answer for that one too. So for the atheist, what I'll say is, okay, I'll say to them, okay, let's pretend that everything you know is inside the circumference of this circle I'm just drawing right here. Are you a biologist? No. Are you a zoologist? Are you an astronomer? Blah, 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 blah. I said, so... It's possible that outside the circle of things you know, you have not yet discovered God. Okay. Well, have you been to Mars? He could be there. Have you been to the next galaxy <laughs> ever? He could be there. You don't know. So for you to say categorically that there's no God, I mean, you may be able to pull that off, but you're probably more of an agnostic where you don't have enough evidence to prove there is or is not a God. Yeah. And, and I say, guess you oh, could just say, okay. imagine if there is a God. Yeah. What would you ask him, right? Bingo. You said it. Yeah. Well done. Okay. You're on the team. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. You made the team. Just that awesome. And then, so if you can know, the next question is, if you could know the answer to your question, would you want to know? Obviously, I think that's pretty safe. Some people say no. Know. Some people say no. Yeah. Some yeah. People, no, honestly, some people say so no. That but if they but say no, do you just say, hey, well, thanks for answering my crazy questions. See ya. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on the situation. Every situation, yeah. I mean, there's no one hard, fast rule for that. Again, remember the characteristics. You're going with a Christ-like attitude and desire, authentic Christ-like attitude and love and desire. When you go with that, the Spirit goes with you and goes before you. Yeah. I want you to feel the the, the depth and breadth of that reality. So, you know, if, if we want to be more effective in our sharing the gospel and connecting with people, we have to work on us. We have to work on becoming more Christ-like. And I, I, I promise you, with literally hundreds of testimonies to support my position, not only me, but there are people around the world who are using these techniques, yeah. missionaries, members, you know, all over the place. I mean, I actually teach these concepts to members more than I use the questions with non-members. And I'm using the questions with non-members every day. I mean, literally, I use these questions every single day. Well, most every single day. So what do people say uh, generally? And maybe it's all over the map as far as what what is the question they they would want? Oh, well, the most common. Oh, you're right. It is all over the map. I just talked to a guy from uh, the Communist China just the other day. And his was, uh, how can I know there's a God? Some people say we're teaching a lady next week uh, that I we talked to uh, that I asked questions to at the fitness center a couple of weeks ago. 
and her name is, we'll say for this conversation, her name is Tara. Okay. It's not, but it is. <laughs> Tara's coming over next Tuesday. And I thought she was supposed to have come an hour before this meeting, but she forgot to put it on her calendar. So she's coming next Tuesday. And her question is, how can I create a better future for my daughter? She's a mm-hmm. single mom. She says, how can I create a, a better future for my daughter? Well, I mean, it doesn't take very many rocket scientists or members of the church to figure out how we can answer that question for her. A lot of the questions rotate around. If you were to corral them into an area, they revolve around what life is all about and where we're going and what's, what's happening in the future. The future looks ugly. What can we do to prepare for that? I mean, these are natural things that our, our church has answers for. Yeah. And, and so I'm just like stepping back and I love the, the approach to all this because I don't know, at some point when we do take awkwardly take the Book of Mormon to somebody or we're inviting them to church, there's sort of this undertone to it of saying like, I sort of want you to join this church, yep. right? Yep. And yep. in this, you're just framing it as like a little, there's a lot more safety in this where people are feeling like, I'm just answering questions about God. There's no commitment I'm making, right? So, I mean, finally, the guy guy from China finally said to me after an hour of conversing about this, he says, you remember the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, aren't you? I says, yeah. Hmm, Thank you. I mean, it was kind of, it popped up after after the fact. In fact, one of my goals is in this process is... My mission is, I, I, my hope and my desire is that everybody joins the church. I mean, I'm looking at every single solitary person out there as a candidate of someone who will eventually potentially become a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. Okay, that's my vision. My goal, however, is not that, because I know full well, number one, I don't want the pressure of that. Number yeah. two, I don't want the guilt that comes with that often. But what I can do is I can leave every person, place, or situation better for my having been there. That's what I do. I try to leave every person place or situation better for my having been there. And in so doing, I take the pressure off myself, I take the guilt away from myself, and opportunities just fly open. I mean, I'm serious. When I can go from nothing in my missionary queue to being overprogrammed in two weeks to four weeks, just that fast. I mean, when I was at the fitness center, three people in one day, I was there for one hour. In, in, that, in that time, I talked to three different individuals in the fitness center. I'm still doing my workout. Um, sharing equipment with individuals. That's oftentimes how it comes about. I just sharing equipment with individuals. And we just start yakking back and forth. And I say, hey, do you mind if I ask you a couple of off-the-wall questions? Boom, into the questions we go. Yeah. Just that yeah. easy. So, and obviously, I mean, I think many people resonate. I'm the type of guy, like, when I go to the gym or I go to Target, like, I'm just in there to go buy the shoes and go home, right? Like, I'm not necessarily looking yeah. to be proactive and asking questions. And so... I mean, obviously that that could work and, and maybe be good to get out of my comfort zone. But I think just that dynamic sort of makes people uneasy. Like, I don't want to talk to people in the store, but it also works in the context of friendships, right? Or neighbors. You're talking to your neighbor across the fence and you say, hey, do you mind if I ask you a few, a few off the wall questions? Right? And that's exactly what I've done with one of my neighbors, two doors down. I mean, my next door neighbor is a member of the church and then the next door neighbor is not a member of the church. You know, we're just shooting the breeze across the fence and I pop the questions on him. And we've had multiple good conversations just because of that question starting at all. I'm going to read you, if I may, a quote from Mosiah and then a quote from the young men's theme. Mosiah 18, verse 9, it says, Alma teaches that we are to stand as witnesses of God at all times, in all things, and in all places that you may be, including in Target, including the fitness center. <laughs> I see what you did Again, there, but it's, it, it, it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. People make yeah. sharing the gospel too stinking hard. It's easy. Just be genuine, be kind, be curious, be creative, and ask these stupid little questions. The young men's theme. 
the last part of it says, I will help prepare the world for the Savior's return by inviting all to come unto Christ and receive the blessings of his atonement. He didn't say those that were just conveniently located in your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. All right. Like, and it's not a call, I'm not calling you out, Kurt, but I'm just saying that it's in okay. general. Call me out. Well, no, that's not what friends do. <laughs> right, right, right. We, we invite. We invite. That's and right. Fact, Kurt, I invite you to use the questions this week and see what starts to happen in your life. Yeah. This week. But I, I just like it that, you know, I can invite some people over and just have some ice cream and we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about this, that, the other, and then say, hey, let me ask you some or can I ask you some some questions? Would you be willing to answer some uh, some crazy would questions? <laughs> would you mind if I asked you a few questions? Off the wall questions. And you don't have to even invite them over. I mean, you can. I mean, there's no problem with inviting them over, but you don't have to wait. You don't have to set up a, I don't want to call it artificial situation. I use these questions wherever I'm at. How's that for English? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You mentioned like your ward yes. went around and asked with the intent of asking these specific questions to the people in your ward, what, what tell me about that? Okay, I'm going to jump to um, the five star. Okay. Okay. Do you want me? To, you want to show these slides? Yeah. Let's let's jump into that. Okay. And this will pick up the questions. So the five star is a way, way that we are using these questions, um, and others are using these questions. Other wards and stakes are using these questions, and the goal is to. It's a comp. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let. I'm going to scroll down past these individuals. Actually, no. I wanted. I'm going to come back to your question, Kurt. But I'm going to okay. show a couple of things first. President, I would encourage people to read President Oaks' talk from 2016 and Outdoor's talk from 2016, uh, sharing the restored gospel and fourth floor last door. Which, by the way, that fourth floor last door ended up being his future wife uh, when the missionaries were tracked him and right. they found his future wife. So that's why that's so important to him. So what the theme behind that is don't give up. Just don't give up. Keep on pursuing this, pursuing this, pursuing it. The Power of the Everyday Missionary says that in that book that it, we're working with probabilities. The more you contact, the more likelihood is that people will say yes eventually. So like one in 20 or one in 100, whatever the case may be. President uh, Nelson said that working with members is the only way that missions are going to exponentially increase the amount of missionary work that, that's going on in the wards. Let's pretend that this is all pretend, okay? So this is these are not actual numbers. Okay. Let's pretend that the Ogden, Utah mission, which is the mission that I'm find, I find myself in, is baptizing annually 500 people. So to have exponential growth, exponential has a curve. It's not a straight line. That's a linear growth. Exponential has a curve to it. So that's where you see the yeah. blue, pink, yellow, um, I can see colors, blue or black, whatever it is. Black, I'll say black. Black, pink, blue, green. That's an exponential curve. The way that occurs is if you... For our mission to increase exponentially, we would have to have at least two people baptized per ward in our state. If we want to have exponential growth, obviously we'd have to be baptizing four or five people per ward in every stake in our mission. Okay, That's not necessarily occurring right now. Now, this is a new piece that most members, and I don't think, if I can say, I can probably say this without any error, and that is that most wards are not involving the membership clerk in, in this process. The membership clerk has access to information that would tell you who is, and your, your word council will as well, or your branch council will tell you who is and who is not attending church. And in our case, sad to report that roughly 70% of our word roster has names, but I'm almost certain that of those 500 names, at least 125 to 150 do not reside in our word anymore because our word is very transient. 
And because of that, it's very difficult to keep our membership records very accurate. Unlike your word, Kurt, I'm sure that everybody knows who's who and where's where and what. You know, you know, you know, if one person moves in, everybody knows who that person is. In our ward, we're also next to a university and we have tons of apartments and absentee landowners. So we don't know half the time who's moved in, who's moved out. And as a consequence, like I said, our doors revolve. And that's always been a perennial problem for our ward. It's also a perennial opportunity. And that's where I'm going to go to the next point. So the membership clerk has access to this information and can share with the ward council the names and addresses of individuals and organize that into a process of searching these individuals out. So the five star is, think of a star having a point at the top and a point to the left and right and then points below. So you're going to go to the door. So let's pretend that, Kurt, you were living in that house that's got a circle on it and you moved away in our ward and we didn't know that you moved. So we go to the door and knock on the door and I would say, hey, my name is Murray Mazeros and this is Bill Smith with me here. We live in the area and we've been trying to find some of our members. COVID and other factors have made it difficult for us to be aware of where some of our members are and who has moved and who's here. Does Kurt Franken live here? And the person will say, no. But then we'll get into a conversation. So how long have you been here? Did you know when Kurt moved out? Have you been here for you know, a year? And by the way, just out of curiosity, what do you do for a living? So we're, we're developing a relationship. And as we're chatting there for three or four minutes, and you say, hey, you mind if I ask you a couple of quick questions? Mm. Boom, you're to the five questions, just gotcha. like that. And some, you know, a lot of people say that's, you know, that's not going to yield any results of any consequence. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not, it does yield results. Yeah. 99% of the cases, we have a deep conversation on the door. And, you know, many times those individuals end up having uh, future conversations with us in follow-up discussions. In fact, a year ago when I was doing this, as at that time, I was only the membership clerk and not the ward missionary. I would go out and visit individuals and I'll just share with you what the balance of the story is. Here's the rest of the five star. So you would visit with the, the member where you lived in, at the bottom of the center, and you go to the door to the left, you go to the door to the right, and you go to the door across the street and go to the door across the street and say, hey, to the door to the left. You know, Kurt Franken used to live in that house right next door to you. Do you know where he happens to be? Because we also want to straighten out our records. We want to give, you know, we want our records to be accurate as much as possible. So we're, we're pursuing two activities simultaneously. We're trying to clean up our records as well as we're trying to do missionary work. And this is the key thing. When I go to that door next door neighbor and say, Hey, Kurt Frankham used to live next door. Do you know where they, where they are? All of a sudden, that person's on my team. They're helping me solve a problem. So they're, if I can use the words carefully, guard is let down or their, their inhibitions or their reluctance to help you is, it backs away because they're now trying to help you solve your problem. Yeah. And so then we jump into the five questions. And, gotcha. uh, last year, I mean, I, with, when we do this in apartments, there's an apartment, uh, just not too far from my house called Hilltop Apartments. It has 12 apartments in it. I was looking for one individual, you know, I was looking for the Kurt Frankum of that apartment building, and I tracked it through the whole building with another elder with me. And with that, we found a young man from Poland. We found a less active. So we ended up teaching the young man from Poland with a set of missionaries. We ended up teaching, you know, we didn't teach the, young, the less active. And that same day, we were in another building, and we found three individuals, uh, no, two more individuals, and we had our regular missionaries teaching them, and we had the Spanish missionaries teaching them. So in one night, we end up with three teaching situations and three sets of diff- three different sets of missionaries involved in our situation. I mean, that's not normal around the world the way it works, but in our situation, we had three teaching situations come out of one night of doing five-star. And I promise you, it doesn't happen every night. That's kind of abnormal. But the reality is five knocks, three teaching situations. Yeah, I love this because uh, typically what happens, and you know, when I was bishop, it was of a transient ward. And I know typically what happens is, you know, you at the end of the year, Think, okay, we need to clean up these records. So we're going to send out a, a Christmas letter 
to yep. all the the ward and we're going to announce the new times for the new year right and then whatever letters come back you know with a forward address or whatnot well then we can go from there right and it's very clerical or it's you know administrative and it's not a bad tactic there's other ways to do that but this is great because it's it's like yeah we're going to clean up the records but we're going to do it as we you know go out and meet new people and and share the gospel and see if they have any interest well you know the beautiful thing about this also is you get to know the, all the people in your neighborhood yeah i mean is there any anything wrong with that i mean if we want when we talk about love share and invite if you never get to know who the people are if you don't plant the seeds you're never going to harvest the five star and the five question really ends up with a lot more seeding than harvesting. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You'll harvest what I seed and I'll harvest what somebody else seeds. In fact, all of my teaching situations currently are not members of my ward or my branch. They're not. You know, right. if I were living in the, the branch I was living in Canada, in Western Saskatchewan and the province of Saskatchewan, which is for those who don't know Canada, it's North and North Dakota in, in the United States. And for those of you around the world, it's, it's kind of central Canada. The branch there, I mean, when I went to do my home teaching, I would take my home teaching companion out of school at noon and we get home at 10 o'clock at night. So that kind of tells you, I mean, seriously, yeah, yeah. So when we talk about, you know, visiting somebody across the street, I think, yeah, forget it. You don't even know what <laughs> hard driving is. Yeah. <laughs> Cross the frozen river on a, you know, in your car. I mean, whatever. Anyways, enough of that yeah. goofy stuff. But just put it this way. Sending out letters takes care of the administrative responsibility. If I can use those words. Going out using five star and the five questions takes care of the administrative responsibility and also pushes forward the ministering responsibility. Yeah. Because as we develop these relationships, as I was mentioning a moment ago, with love, share, and invite, you got to plant the seeds in order to be able to have the harvest. Yeah. And if everybody just did this, I mean, you just did the five questions, we would be sending referrals all over the world. The missionary department would have to hire a bunch of more people just to deal with all the, the ins and outs of things that are running all over the place. Right, right. And I love this, you know, the five-star thing that obviously you can't just, again, it would be awkward to just show up at a house and be like, hey, I'm here. I want to ask you some questions, right? But if yeah. you have this intent of you're looking for this person, don't just go to that one door looking for the person where they used to live. Most right. likely, or the chances are higher that neighbors would also have some information about Absolutely. where they went. And so yeah. now you show up not with this sole purpose of asking random questions or selling the to, church yeah but to find where this person went because you're trying to update your records and hey while we're here nice to meet you right yep exactly yeah. it works slick i mean i rarely find i, I think of all the times i've done this i've had one obnoxious individual just be a, a pain but other than that people are willing to help and i mean let's think about it. the most the bulk of this world is a lot of good people and they want to help and so you engage them and then just pop the questions on them and you have a good conversation because you're already, you're already buds because you're already helping each other. Right. Yep. And so this was going back to your war did this, like you maybe find 15 names, say, Hey, we're going to go see if we can track these 15 records down. Let's go. Right. And from that is when you start meeting some people, right? Yep. Yeah. Nice. I guess, you know, it goes, it shifts a little bit with these five questions. One, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned they're off the wall. They're kind of these general profound right. questions about God. And then, it shifts to making an appointment. So, so since you want to know the answer to your question and are willing to make that an effort, would you be willing to, to let us help you find that out for yourself? So, and then set an appointment, right? And so do you get mixed responses to that? Like maybe suddenly like, Hey man, yeah. I was just answering questions. I'm not looking to come to your house. It, it, it varies some person to person. Again, it's very situational. And the further you get into the five questions, the percentages of yeses drops off. Right. 
I would say that if I were to take, again, 20 individuals who I connected with by using the five questions who've said yes to one or two or three other questions, uh, the number who make appointments with us uh, to either have them come to my home, and sometimes what, I, what I'll do is I'll teach them by myself or with my wife or with somebody else, and then I'll invite the missionaries in for the second time, because if I didn't set it up the right way the first time, I don't want to pop missionaries into these, this person's life, you know, because that looks like a stunt, and nobody likes a stunt. Right. And so most of the times people come to my home. I'm not sure why they prefer to come here as, as a, my meeting in a neutral place. Mind you, I'm meeting with a guy tomorrow who is, uh, he's one of the managers of the, the fitness center, in fact. He and I are meeting tomorrow at the library to discuss his question tomorrow. And, nice. but typically it, it comes down to, depending how you set it up, if you say, if uh, my, a couple of young friends of mine, who we call missionaries, and I could pop in today or tomorrow, or you could come to our house, my house, and, and we could have the missionaries there. That's what occurs. But if I don't include that in the initial request, I don't pop the missionaries in there unsuspectingly. And by the way, just just for the record, this works through social media. This works with a phone call. I called a a fellow in Oklahoma, an acquaintance, not a close friend, but an acquaintance. And I I knew his wife was having some health issues. And I just called up and says, how is your wife doing? And I I really wanted to know. I mean, this wasn't a farce. This is, I really wanted to know. And I was asking about his, his situation as well. And then I just said, you know, do you mind if I ask you a couple of quick questions? And he says, sure. And he says, yeah, I want to know some more. So he's in Oklahoma. I'm here. That's a thousand miles away. How do I work that? Well, I created a couple of Zoom lessons. We did the Zoom back and forth. I taught him through Zoom uh, messaging. And then I said, you know, I'm going to call him Albert. His name is not Albert, but for this conversation, his name is Albert. They say, hey, Albert, you know, we have volunteer missionaries who can do a better job than I'm doing. Would you mind if we set up a situation where they teach you the rest of the story? He says, sure. So we, we did that. I zoomed into the, the conversations and I zoomed into his baptism. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you don't always necessarily invite, like when, when they agree to setting up an next appointment, depending on the situation, how well you know them, you may not invite the missionaries to that first interaction or you always do. Yeah, it's, it's, well, how I, it's whatever I feel impressed at the moment when I'm asking the initial questions. If I feel that if I were to bring the missionaries into the discussion right off the bat, they would say no to the next question. Then I set it up so that I'm teaching the next, having the next conversation. And I'm not even saying teaching, but we have a conversation yeah. about the individual. So indirectly, I'm teaching, but I'm, it's more of a conversation, and we're at where I'm asking, answering the questions. And you notice that one of the questions was, if you could know the answer to your question, would you want to know? So sometimes I will start out by teaching oh, yeah. the concept of learning how to know the answer to your question, or knowing how God talks to you before I get into the content question. So like, for example, if they want to know what the purpose of life is, I won't necessarily answer that immediately. What I'll answer is for them how they can know the answer, how they would recognize an answer from God. How does God talk to that person? Which, you know, he talks to us, all of us, basically the same way. So I'm not inventing something for that individual. But it's so we, sometimes, again, to repeat myself, we teach, I teach the process of how to recognize an answer from God. And then I teach the content of that's specifically related to their question. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Third question of, you know, if you could know the answer to your question, would you want to know? And that's sort of like a, a half step towards, I mean, because if you follow that up with simply, well, do you want to, with the fourth question of, are you willing to make the effort to know that you're the answer to your question? Like it lands a little bit more hard, right? So you're sort of warming them up yep. to that question that leads to an appointment, right? Yeah. So let me, if I may, can we go back to the PowerPoint presentation or yeah. the PDF? This is one thing that we've tried to institute, but it's a little bit more difficult, but I'm, I'm thinking there may be some words or branches out there that may want to do this. 
not as using the the ward mission leader or the eldest quorum presidency member who is in charge of missionary work. That person becomes the primary finder and takes with him someone who could be a future nurturer or ministering brother to whomever they find. So, for example, Kurt, if you and I were to go out visiting in our ward, you live in our ward, we would go out and knock on doors and, and you're, say, you're the uh, ward mission, no, you're the, oh, you're just a, a regular member of the, a regular elder in our ward, but you're coming with me knowing full well that whoever we find, you will become their primary nurturer, you'll become their primary friend, you will become their primary ministering brother in the future if they choose, that person chooses to baptize. So, we go out and we knock on the doors and visit with these individuals doing the five-star and so forth. And then we come back to the ward council with the results of that and involve ward members, the full-time missionaries and so forth, where you remain as the primary friendshipper. And then the following week, I take somebody else out with me as the finder. I take a person, X a person, Kurt number two out with me, and we go through the process of finding and involve individuals. Involve the ward council as necessary. You know, if they got if the family we find has a young primary child in it, so we're obviously going to involve the primary involve as an engaged partner in this process. Am I making sense with that? Yeah. So this sort of the how to involve the ward as a team or the ward council as well, and, right. and start putting a team together to support this individual, right? And like I said, this has been a little bit harder to pull off, but I know of some situations where this they're actually making this work. But it takes a certain level of commitment on everybody's part to do this particular activity or this approach. Nice. And so is this something, as you talk to somebody in your ward, then you're maybe filling in who these nurturers are or the... Yes. Well, you know, that's why the ward council is there. So like if we went out, let's say you and I went out, we visited the 10 individuals and one of those individuals wanted to learn more about the restored gospel or they wanted, they had a question that we're going to be answering. We would have decided at the door whether they're going to involve the full-time missionaries or whether we're going to involve full-time missionaries or you were going to be the primary friendshipper. And maybe you and I would both be uh, involved in the next teaching situation. And then once we can transition the primary friendshipping from me as a primary finder to you as a primary friendshipper, then you would work with that individual and involve the ward council appropriately to support that newfound individual. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, the next week, I'm going back out. Not with you, but with, let's say I'm going out with Bill Smith that I talked about earlier, our fictitious Bill Smith. He and I are going out and we find somebody else. So we continue the same process where Bill now works with the ward council and engages the appropriate parties. Like maybe this family has a young woman and a young man in it. So we're going to involve the young men's and young women's in that uh, situation. And it's a single mom. So we're going to involve the Relief Society with that situation. And Bill Smith would remain as a friendshiper, but Bill Smith's wife would also become involved with that situation is a natural nurturer in that particular situation. So slowly but surely, by using a, or not using, we use things involve people, by involving the finder and nurturers, we keep on building our capacity to engage more and more people in the the whole process of sharing the gospel with individuals. And that's one of the things that Clayton Christensen says in his book, The Power of the Everyday Missionary, he says that their ward was trusted by God because they know their ward was engaged in sharing the gospel so God could put people in their sphere of influence because he knew that that ward would wrap their arms around those individuals and support those individuals and bring those individuals along. And therefore, he could trust those that ward with those particular individuals that he wanted that, that particular uh, ward to take care of. Yeah. And then is there anything specific you do when the individual does not live in your ward or stake? 
when you're doing five star, you're only working inside your own word boundaries. You do right. Not, so this you is not, what you're showing here is only in relation to the five star effort, which yes, you would obviously only, in relation to only be doing star. in your board. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's what brings up a good point. So, so for example, we have uh, one teaching situation that's in the state south of us. So I involved the missionaries with that teaching situation. Tara, who, um, who her fictitious name is Tara, she lives in North Ogden. So when we start teaching her, I'm going to connect with the, the, the ward in which she is physically located, talk to their ward, uh, mission leader, talk to their Relief Society president, and talk to their full-time missionaries so that everybody is connected and there's no gaps in the knowledge as to what, what her engagement is going to, what they're going to be doing to help her out. And I will probably be involved with the first, second, third, maybe fourth. I don't know how many discussions I'll be involved with myself in order to make sure there's nothing dropped from the finding phase to the potential eventual baptismal phase or to the point where she makes a decision. And the other thing we don't do, just, be, is just because a person says, I'm not interested, we don't drop them. I mean, we're, you know, love, share, and invite does not say love, share, and invite only if they proceed to baptism. It's yeah. love, share, and invite love, continually. Love, share, drop, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's think about my own situation. I was first introduced to the church by a 17-year-old female from Carson, Alberta. Had she not very passively connected with me now and then and I with her, and I had a minor romantic interest in her, because, you know, I'm a male, she's a female, so there was some, you know, little buzz there. But eventually, I mean, four years after the initial contact, I must have said something that said to her, invite her to come and visit. And so I went and visited. I drove eight hours. I mean, this is not exactly a walk across the street. I drove eight hours to go visit her and her family. And I could feel something different in the home. I could feel something different about church that was filling that started to fill that hole. And so when I came back, you know, I came back to the city I was living in, which is Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That's a mouthful. I went to the church that week, that following week and asked for the missionaries to come and teach me. And, you know, I've been fully engaged in the church ever since. Yeah. But it was because she started out very nonchalantly not with the questions, but just connecting with me in her way and then being persistent in that process of follow-up. Yeah. And I love, obviously, the love, share, invite model is fantastic. And and what I appreciate about these questions is it sort of jumpstarts that, that process, right? It, sometimes you don't know, okay, I'm loving this person, I guess. I mean, they're, I'm their neighbor and I mowed their lawn once and I don't know, like, I guess I'm loving them. And then it's that, maybe that transition into share Right. Where you're like that, these five questions can launch you, propel you into that that step. And so, I mean, like you've talked about and proven that this is even effective to maybe a stranger you meet. It is but, effective to a stranger. Yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, but how long is the person a stranger? Right. Yeah. I mean, you and I, we kind, of know, we kind of know each other. I mean, we remember we're connected in uh, several ways, but we really don't know each other that well. I wouldn't have a heartbeat of a problem asking the questions if you if I didn't know you at all and if I didn't know right. you were a member of the church. In fact, I pose these questions to members of the church and they say, well, I'm a member of the church. I say, well, let's, um, let me teach you how to do it. And would you mind doing it? And they say, yeah, this is, a, I wish I'd known this earlier is what they often say. Yeah, so true. And I, so I just love that, you know, you can, sometimes the love portion is like the easiest one, but then we want to move people to, okay, now yeah. you got to share something with them or, and then invite them, right? And then it's, it just gets more difficult. So this is a great model to launch well, into the that. Thing, the other thing that's really great about this model is it takes the weight of the conversation off totally off of my shoulders, which is yeah. often where people feel the weight of this conversation, the, the gospel conversation is, is on my shoulders. And I share it with the individual with whom I'm speaking because I'm they're the ones who are answering the question. I'm not creating a question for them. They're creating their question. And yeah. I'm saying, hey, we can answer your question for you. And I don't have right. to answer it on the door or you know, wherever I'm at. I can answer it some other time you know, with missionaries, if appropriate or whatever. I mean, there's yeah. no rush. Love it. 
Any point of principle we've missed, Maria? I think you've done a great job explaining all this. Oh, we didn't talk about the questions from the Power of the Everyday Missionary. And actually, this is one that President Oaks also used in his 2016 talk. He says, over the past 20 years, we have observed no correlation. I repeat, no correlation between the depth of a relationship and the probability that a person will be interested in learning about the gospel. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just because you know your neighbor, it doesn't mean that they're eventually going to join the church. Conversely, just because you're talking to a stranger doesn't mean they're not interested or they may not yeah, be interested. True. I mean, if somebody would ask me back when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, if I had a question, I did have a question, but no one ever asked me, do I, Murray, do you have a question? No one. But yeah. if they would have asked me, I had a ton of questions. Then he says, but he says, but the reverse is almost always true. Everyone who accepts an invitation to learn about the gospel becomes a closer friend, regardless of whether or not he or she ultimately accepts baptism. We have also learned that even when people decline our invitations, they are not offended as long as they feel our honesty, our love. Remember we talked about earlier? And God's love when we invite him to learn about the gospel of Jesus, about Christ's gospel. He says, success is not seeing someone baptized, but in issuing invitations, which is what the questions do. Yep. Baptism is a matter of someone else's, oh no, this is my summarizing a point that he's made in the book. So baptism is a, matter, is a matter of someone else exercising their agency. You and I have no control over that. As we invite, our fears will literally decrease. He says, there are a lot of people with questions. Most of them have given up on churches as a source of answers. As a consequence, we mistakenly categorize them as not interested in religion. So Satan needs to convince the members of this church that it is awkward and politically incorrect to talk about the gospel plan with others at work. He also says people cannot act for themselves or make decisions we started re regarding the restored gospel if Latter-day Saints close their mouths, and this is exactly what Satan is accomplishing. He says we have begun asking, he says we have begun asking each person to come to their discussions with a list of questions about religion to which they have not been able to find satisfactory answers. He says we have learned that a key reason why some of those we had invited to learn the gospel had declined our invitations and why others had chosen to stop studying with our missionaries before baptism was that they had been attempting to, the missionaries, and we have been telling, attempting to tell them what we thought they needed to know. If our answers didn't correspond with their questions, they judged the gospel to be irrelevant to their lives. So again, that's where the question, if you could ask God a question right now, we're, we're starting out with a relevant question that we want to have them receive an answer for. So we're answering what Christianism is a big, big problem. He says, I have concluded that many of the roadblocks that constrain missionary work are of our own making. Think about and pursue sharing the gospel daily. And finally, he says, a sense among some in the church is that obedient saints are those that follow the programs assiduously, in other words, with exactness, and that innovation is a symptom of rebellion if it hasn't been approved. These saints who are examples of successful mission member missionaries follow the Spirit in unscripted ways. Love it. There you go. So powerful. So Such like a great I'm, resource. I feel like I'm in harmony with Clinton Christensen and his observations. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Murray, this has been great. It's such a phenomenal perspective. And I'm going to go put this to work, okay? okay. Uh, and I'm, I'll report back. And I'd love for those that, that listen to this, put this in the, let's put Murray to the test here, is uh, these questions and see how, how much progress we can make and inviting people. Love, share, and invite. And and uh, I'm excited to do it. So, Murray, I, would you mind if I ask you one last question? And I do have one, one with you before you last question. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I'm I tried to, to use your tactic on you, but... <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. 
I'm willing to talk to people by phone or by email. I'm a resource. I'm not writing a book to make money. I'm here to serve people. That's my goal. Again, to leave every person, place, or situation better for my having been there. Okay, awesome. your question. Yeah. So as you've had many opportunities to lead in the church, especially in this context of leading a missionary effort, how has leading helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, my goodness. Actually, it's almost the reverse. Being a good follower makes us a good leader. We talk about leadership, but there's also a concept of fellowship. And too many times we wait to be volunteered or we volunteer to do things, things where we are really as saints, we need to step up and not be Latter-day tourists, but be Latter-day saints. In my opinion, you can't be an effective leader without being closely tied to the Savior and inspiration. Being creative, seeking to create ways to make the, to help build the kingdom of God and to support the kingdom of God is following the Savior and His guidance. And as a leader, I know that when I expect others to be of service to me, I bloom and well better be ready to serve everybody, anytime, any place, and make it a sacrifice and a priority in my life, because I need that type of support as a leader. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 to gain access to Rob Farrell's four-hour presentation at no cost. Visit leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.